Uh, we've been uh, in this series uh, talking about our vision. Um, so if anybody asks you what we're about as the Olive Branch, it's not like the Olive Garden, you know, where they serve you know, uh, garlic bread and soup and stuff like that. See, the Olive Branch is a group of people, and we are gathering so that we can be transformed by the power of the Spirit of God, transformed by the good news of Jesus, and we can have a transforming impact on our world. Uh, if you just get transformed, if you just become you know, closer to God and a better person, and it never gets into actually having a transforming effect on your world, you've lost the plot. You've lost the plot. Because the goal is that we become more like Jesus, that we make a difference in our world, become good news. How many of you would like to be good news wherever you go? That everybody says, man, I'm glad they're here. It's so good that they came to work today. It's so good that they live in this neighborhood. That's what, uh, that's what God wants for you. So we've been working on it. Part of, part of this has to do with prayer. We've been uh, doing a series on prayer called Talking with God. And that's exactly what prayer is. It's just talking with God, just having a... And here's the bottom line we've been dealing with. You can't build a friendship without communication. Jesus came so that we could be his friends, so that we could be his children. You can't build any kind of a relationship without communication. You've got to talk. And so that's the point of prayer. This is Jesus' image of prayer. You read through what he said about prayer, and he knows what he's talking about, right? He's been listening to prayers for thousands of years as God, so he knows what he's talking about. And he says, this is the posture. This is Abba. And coming to him, we're just coming to him like little kids asking for bread, asking for a meal, asking for what we need, and talking to him about what's going on in our lives. That's the posture of prayer, okay? Now, the last time I, I spoke, we talked about how the speed of life, when we, when we get going in life and like we're in the speed is increasing, what happens is the depth of communication goes down. That's the way it works in families. That's the way it works in just about every relationship. And that also affects our relationship with God. And where we're going to be talking about today. And uh, my final thing on that was we talked about listening to God, and I never actually showed you this. So are you ready for this? This is one of my amazing drawings. Are you, are you all set? Okay. So my comfort is that if God can speak through a donkey, he can hopefully speak through me. So that's, uh, that's, that's my only prayer in standing up here today. So discipline, we're talking about fasting. Fasting is the discipline. There's lots of different disciplines. Uh, but a discipline is doing something that's hard so that at some point in the future you can do what you want to do. It's training. It's being trained. Uh, we were just on vacation, as you know. So, you know, uh, vacations by definition mean that you eat less and exercise more. So I actually had to get back at it, you know, this week in terms of running and doing all that stuff. So I could have this amazing physique, you know, that I have. You know, it's just so impressive. No, the point is that I don't want to become a fossil. You know, like when I'm 80 years old, I want to be able to get up to the top of the stairs and still have some breath left, you know. I don't want to just become a stationary person. So that's kind of what this is about. There are lots of spiritual disciplines. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. Fasting is a spiritual discipline we're going to be talking about today. Uh, celebration is a spiritual discipline. Journaling, sitting down and listening and writing your thoughts in a book or in a notebook, that's a, that's a spiritual discipline. So these are all disciplines, and fasting is the one I want to deal with today. Now, we used to live in this uh, little community uh, down in Pennsylvania. It's called Punxsutawney. Okay, I know you all would love to be there someday, go there for vacation. But Punxsutawney is very interesting. Uh, anybody here uh, seen the series or heard of the series, and it's called Breaking Amish? 
kind of a takeoff on Breaking Bad. Anybody seen that? Well, two of the stars actually were raised just a few miles from where we lived down there. So there's this Amish community. And I'm telling you, it was like going into a different zone. You know, it was like, uh, because it, it was a totally different world. You could tell that you were going into that world by the used horse feed that was all over the road. So you knew that something was coming. And I was always surprised when I'd come around the corner, I wasn't always driving as slowly as I should, and I'd come face to face with a surprised looking horse, you know, and then this buggy with this, with this orange thing on the back of it. But it was a very different world. Now the deal was that uh, Jacob Amon was the guy that founded that back in, I think, 1725. And the point was that he thought that, you know, progress, modernism was just taking away, and everybody just needed to, you know, kind of, they didn't have a little house in the family back then, but, or, but a little house in the prairie, but that was kind of the idea that if you just stayed simple and stayed away from electricity and other modern conveniences, that it would make you a more spiritual person. And if you, and if you go back, if you go see these people, I mean, that's, that's what they've stayed at, man. They're out there, you know, plowing and doing all kinds of work the hard way, you know, with horses and plows and, and stuff like this. If you're a woman, it sucks to be you. Because you're going to be spending your life, you know, you won't get about an eighth grade education, and then you'll be having babies and taking care of them. You see, you know, you go out and you see all these kids lined up in the field, you know, with their little guys with their little straw hats and, and the girls with their long dark dresses and so on. And, and that was kind of your life, you know. But the point was that, and this is the implication, that God doesn't like you know, modernity, that God doesn't like, you know, conveniences, and that the more austere you are, the more pleasing it is to God. Like, he wants you to stay away from things, that that's the point. You know, uh, when I was growing up in this little holiness church when I was a kid, um, there were some churches that went and they would quote the Apostles' Creed. We had a little Gregorian chant that we used to do, you know, we don't smoke, we don't chew, we don't go with girls who do. That was kind of the beginning of our worship. (laughs) I'm just kidding, okay, but. But there are things that we do where we feel more spiritual. How many of you feel more spiritual when you drink water out of a paper cup than when you, you know, drink coffee out of a foam cup? How many of you feel more spiritual about that? Okay. It, you, it may be better for the environment, but it has nothing to do with the internal part of your heart. How many of you feel more spiritual when you order you know, the veggie platter instead of the 12-ounce steak? How many of you feel more spiritual? Okay. How many of you would rather die than order the veggie platter? <laughs> I see that hand back there, okay. So, um, so, you know, you may feel more spiritual because you have an iPhone 5 instead of an iPhone 10. I mean, there's just lots of different things. What you find out, though, is that there's not an ounce of evidence for that in the Bible. Like, you may think it's more spiritual to be caffeine-free or meat-free, or, you know, you may be a meatitarian, I don't know. But, but none of this stuff has to do with, with what is really at the core of being a spiritual person. A spiritual person means that you're growing in the way that you love other people. And I'm telling you, even Bible knowledge doesn't do that. Bible knowledge can help. But what sometimes stuff does, it just makes you feel more spiritual than other people, which is a big problem. So Jesus is dealing with this issue of fasting. And, and listen to what he says. He says, and when you fast... Don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so that the people would admire them for their fasting. Now, what had happened is, you know, there was this whole thing, like back in the Old Testament, where, you know, they would come to God with sackcloth and ashes and so on. Some of you are familiar with that. And, and honestly, when people repented, when people turned away from their sin, it did spare whole cities. 
So what would happen is that the Pharisees and the religious people, they would like, they would figure out when the marketplace was going to be most crowded and they would pick those two days to fast. And they fasted for two days, okay? And so what they would do is they'd put on these rough clothes and then they'd smear dirt in their hair and stuff and smear ashes on their face to make them look more, you know, pale and stuff. And it was this whole costume that they put on. And they'd walk by and oh my word, look how spiritual they are. Oh, oh my, look at what they, look at what they do. Look at what they avoid. They don't, they don't do this. They don't do that. And Jesus is basically saying, he's coming against that stuff, and he says, your spirituality has nothing to do with the costume that you have on. Your spirituality has nothing to do with how many meals you've missed. You've lost the plot. He goes on and he says this, I tell you the truth that the only reward they will ever get, that's the only reward that they will ever get, is what he's basically saying. So, you know, for everybody goes, oh, oh, oh you're amazing. Well, congratulations. You're not getting any reward from God because your point is not to please Him. Your point is to basically, you know, impress everybody else. Something that you just have to be, you and I have to be careful of. He says, but when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, brush your teeth. I didn't actually say that. He says, but do that. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. That's where you want your reward, right? Now, to get, bas- to get very basic, fasting, as I mentioned, is a discipline. It's basically doing something that's hard to help to prepare you, to train you for what you really want to be and what you really want to do. That's, that's basically what fasting is. Now, we're going to get a little bit more into it, okay? Um, it's really interesting when you look at Jesus' life. Did you know that he was criticized for being less spiritual than John the Baptist and less spiritual than the fast Pharisees because he didn't fast? Did you know that? Did you know that you know, he was criticized? And instead of fasting, they're saying, well, you're out there eating meat. You're out there at parties and stuff. So Jesus' first miracle is making 120 gallons of wine for a party, for a wedding party. How does that fit? Well, he's God. I'm guessing it, he knows how it fits, right? Now, um, what happens is that our whole concept of what it means to be a spiritual person, it gets twisted. It gets twisted out of shape. Now, people were impressed with other people's devotion back then, but Jesus is trying to get people back to what this really means. And what it really means is basically avoiding something so that you can do something better. Now, once you think about food back in that culture, um, we've, we've got ovens. We can put a casserole in and let the thing cook or put in a, you know, one of the new delicious stuffed pizza, stuffed crisp pizza, uh, pizzas. Have you tasted those? But, you know, it's like 20 minutes, you know, and it's done. Like, but back in that culture, you know, food was a big deal. First of all, getting enough of it and then preparing it. Like it wasn't like somebody else prepared it and put it in a box for you. A big deal. Took a lot of time. And so what this was for them was, was basically just kind of taking the time from when they would normally be preparing food and eating and stuff like this and taking that time and spending it with God. It's a, it was a spiritual discipline. Now, I want to tell you what fasting isn't, okay? This is really important to understand this. Fasting is not a hunger strike to get what you want from God. But basically, you know, where you're saying, I'm so unhappy with this, I'm just not going to eat until you give me what I want. And God would, you know what God would say? I don't negotiate with terrorists. (laughs) 
It's, you know, this is not, you know, like if you fast, it's not like, you know, God has this big refrigerator in the sky and it's like, oh man, three days, you get a big start for that one. That's not, that's not what fasting is about. Fasting is taking time out of all the interruptions in life to listen to what God is trying to say. See, self-control in and of itself doesn't, doesn't necessarily help you. It doesn't necessarily help you. Now, Jesus corrects the whole thing of fasting that was going on back then, okay? And what he was basically dealing, and what fasting is dealing with is, you need some space in your life to listen to what God is saying. And some of you need that. Some of you are facing a, a huge problem right now in your life, and you know for a fact that if you don't get it right, that you know this, it could cancel everything out, and you need to hear from God. Some of you are in a relational mess, and you can't find your way out of it, because it's all so confusing, and you need to hear from God. You have something in your life choking you. It's addiction. It's something that is just squeezing you, and it's taking over your life, and it's taking space that you don't want to give up, and you need to hear from God. And that's what fasting is about. It's listening to the voice of God. Sometimes, you know, we're faced with life-altering decisions like that, and so we start out good in the day. And I don't know if I'm just, I'm just confessing here. Maybe you've done this, you know, say, man, I've got to talk to God about this today, and I've just got to spend some time praying about this today, and, and so on. And then, but then, you know, life starts happening, right? You know, the dog gets into the garbage, you know, and you're on the highway and all of a sudden everything's all clogged up and you're angry about that. You can't pray when you're angry, you know. And, and so, you know, you get into work and stuff and there's a problem there and you got to do that or school assignments or whatever. And then, you know, you get to the end of your day and you're about ready to drop into bed because you're exhausted and you think, oh yeah, I was going to pray. Now, what fasting does I don't know if you've ever, you know, done without food for a little while. Like you get the, you know, you hit noon and, and the dinner bell goes off. You know, your stomach says, you know, hey, somebody up there feed me, you know. And it's kind of this alarm bell that goes off and it reminds you. And then when that happens, then you think, oh yeah, eating, if I don't eat, that gives me an extra half hour. And I'm just going to take some time and I'm going to talk to God about this stuff. There's another part to this, and the Bible doesn't really deal with this, but it basically talks about the fact that, you know, it, it's basically the fact that anybody know, well, let me just put it like this. How many of you know what you feel like about a half hour after you eat lunch? It's like you're falling asleep at your desk, right? So what this does, fasting keeps your mind clear and helps you to move through that. Now, a lot of times we get into, you know, really technical about this. Well, how do we fast? Like, you know, how many meals do I fast, you know? And, and do I drink water or just drink coffee and tea or what, drink some juice or what do I do? You know, I'm diabetic. I can't fast. You know, so we get all these questions and I have a very technical answer for you when it comes to how to do this. You know what it is? It depends. It depends on you <laughs> to some extent. It's not, it's not like it's this, you know, if you don't do it right, God won't, you know, reward you for it. That's not the point. Um, let me just illustrate the, uh, this once, and I was kind of following somebody else's advice on how to fast and stuff, because so, I was wanting to do it, and, uh, and so Lori said to me, this one day I was fasting, and she says, would you please eat? Because <laughs> you get really crabby when you don't eat, you know, it's like, <laughs> spare the whole family. So anyway, so I thought, okay, I got to change the way I do this, because I'm kind of losing the plot on this, you know, I'm crabby with everybody, and they can't stand me. 
You know, it's, it's one of these things where when you fast, you're taking time away from the distractions and trying to listen to God. And I'll tell you why we need to do that. First of all, anything can run your life, okay? Food can run your life. Anybody understand? You understand this, right? Like wine isn't a bad thing, but you start using it to make yourself feel better at night and, and everything like that, and, and then make yourself feel better during the day when you're having a problem. And I'm telling you, it'll sink its claws into you. It can run your life and take you where you don't want to go. Boyfriend can run your life. I've never had one, but I mean, a boyfriend can <laughs> run your life. You know, I mean, they can tell you what you do and everything like that. You're trying to please them. That can run your life. It can, it can sink its claws into you and drag you off where you don't want to be. Money can run your life. Money can run your life. Making it, saving it, spending it. You know, iPhone can run your life. I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. But here's the problem, okay? Um, okay, let me, I'm just, I'm, I think I'm burning down through some stuff. First of all, fasting is not about us getting God to do what we want. It's God getting us to do what He wants. It's listening to Him. That's bottom line. Now, here's the play drawing. Are you ready for this? This is an amazing drawing. Okay, here we go. Okay. Anybody know what this is? In the old days, it's called a tachometer, and I think now with all the digital displays, they've probably done away with them. But basically, the point is that it's, this is RPMs means revolutions per minute, okay? And it's how many times your engine turns over. And so, like, if you're in first gear, and you're going in first gear, and you're up to six or seven or 8,000 RPMs, that's not a good thing, because you'll blow up your engine. So the point is, to try and keep it down. But what happens in any given day, just because of all we're going through, you know, work and information and just, you know, I got to do this, got to do that, got to get the kids here, got to take care of the pet. So our lives get up in this zone and it's not healthy. And you don't listen when you're up there. And so when you fast, when you take time, when you just take some time and quiet, it brings the RPMs down and helps you to have a, have a heart that's listening to God at that particular juncture. And I'm telling you, there's lots of stuff that's going on in our world. How many of you would say, my biggest problem is I need more information? We are choking and gagging on information. Like it's just, you know, our phones vomited on us. You know, the TV vomits us on us. You know, do you want to know what Trump did today? I mean, just, it's like all this stuff and it's just constantly coming at us. We don't need more information. And it can choke us so that we're not even listening to what's going on. You know, you look at the typical family and some of the time-saving devices. I mean, by the way, it's a lot easier to cook. You know, you have a microwave, you have the stove, you have, you know, washing machine that does your, you know, does your clothes for you and a dishwasher that does your dishes for you. And this is all supposed to be time-saving. How many of you have found that, like, now you have, like, five or six hours in any given week and you don't know what to do with them? This has saved you so much time. Anybody? doesn't help, does it? Because you still got to pay for the time-saving stuff, which means you have to work and so on. We're not, we're not learning from this. And then, of course, you know, we end up sleeping less and, and, and so on and doing more work to, to, to pay for all this stuff. And so the question you have to ask is, why all the craziness? Why are we, why are we just living like this? You ever see, remember the Play-Doh factory? You know, 
See, and this is a very small version, very cheap version. I got this for $6.98. And so what happens is, you know, you stick stuff in here, and our culture will put the pressure on you to just squeeze you out the other end. The problem is you look like everybody else. And that's not where you want to be. Not where I want to be, that's for sure. Because I'm, t- I'm you know, anybody here is looking out there, man, the people today are so healthy. Like they're so there, they're, you know, it's not true. There's another thing that tends to, you know, so the question you have to ask is, what's my biggest distraction? Because what happened, this is what distraction does. God's plan is to grow your heart. And what I mean by that is, is that he wants to grow you in learning how to love, learning how to love yourself properly, learning how to love others properly, learning how to love him properly. That's what he wants to do. But distractions, when you just have all this junk coming at you, you just kind of roll over and, and let it take you over and just squish you through it, what happens is it compresses your life and your heart shrinks, okay? This is what somebody described what life is like, what everybody's looking for, and it's upgrades and experiences. And you think about that. Think about how much gets, you know, sold to you every day, shoved at you, you know, through marketing. You know, upgrade your car, upgrade your, you know, your phone, upgrade, upgrade, uh, and, then, and then experience, you know. Wouldn't you like to be, you know, out on this island, you know, with your lover, you know. And I mean, it's just constantly at us. And so here's the question I want you to ask yourself. What is your biggest distraction? Do you know? Let me just take a shot in the dark for maybe some of you. I think that that's what, <laughs> I mean, you ever notice you go to the mall, you know, people aren't, I mean, they're, look, they're walking along looking at their phones, you know. See people walking on the street or sitting on the bus or whatever, it's like they're in their phones all the time. Hello? Oh, sorry, nobody was calling me. But I mean, you know, and what this means is it means that you are at the beck and call. Anybody wants to get your attention, all they have to do is, you know, hit your phone, especially if they text you and it chirps and burps or, or buzzes or whatever it does, you know. It's like, hello? You know, you're right there. You shouldn't, nobody should have that kind of, nobody should have that kind of, you know, power over your life, right? And yet many times God is wanting to get our attention and we're too busy with all this other stuff. So fasting is a way of basically cutting through all the other distractions and saying, I need to hear what God has to say. I need to connect with God. That's at its very basis. That's what fasting, fasting is. Now, Jesus says it's possible to gain the world, like to, you know, to have everything out there, to upgrade and experience everything, and to totally lose the plot, totally lose your soul. Imagine, you die and you go to heaven, you know, and so you're sitting up there and say, man, the cell phone reception is really bad up here, you know? And God looks into your little puffy red eyes, you know, and he says, so what did you do with your life? You think, oh, you know, I'm not sure. I was really busy, though. I was really busy. Like, it was like, go, 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 go. And that's not what anybody wants, I don't think, right? It's not what I want for my life. Fasting is an act of humility. And it's basically, you know, saying, God, I need you more than I need a meal. And fasting could include a number of different things. Fasting could include, I mean, imagine what it would be like to say, I am going to fast from my cell phone for a day. What do you think? Okay, how about half a day? 
about 15 minutes, okay? <laughs> Think about it, you know? Look, can, do you mind if I get really invasive? You promise you won't throw stuff at me like your cell phones or anything else? I'll tell you what happens in our culture. Let me ask this first of all. What is the point of raising kids? Anybody know what your job is as a parent? Your, your job as a parent is to shape your child's heart so that they can cope with life. Your job as a parent is to give them a center line down their highway so that they know what's going on, so that they know what they should be doing, and so on. That's, that's the job as a parent. And I'm telling you, it's so easy in our culture because we get rammed into this whole thing that forces out. You know, what about hockey? What about, you know, what about soccer? What about, you know, and I'm telling you, you can, you can do the whole SUV time thing and, you know, eat, you know, McDonald's in your backseat. I mean, you can do this thing, but I'm just telling you, you have to ask yourself the question, is this the point of raising my kids? Because I'm telling you, families get hijacked every fall and they get dragged off and dragged away from worship, dragged away from God and everything else, you know. And, and in our, you know, in all this breathlessness, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, God, can you speak like in 15 seconds because I've got to get my kid to this thing? You just have to ask the question, what's this all about? You mind if I get even more invasive? Is it okay? You're not going to throw anything at me? You're just laughing. You're not saying yes or no. I'm, I'm a little concerned here. You know, I might die up here, okay? You think about, you know, some of the stuff. I mean, what if you say, you know what, golf has me by the neck. I like it, but, you know, I need to just fast from golf for a while. Or I need to fast from sports TV for a while. Oh, here's one. I need to fast from shopping for a while. In fact, I'm going to take a year and not buy anything new, and then I'm going to take that money that I save by doing that, and I'm going to give it to somebody who needs that more than I need more stuff in my garage. It's just, you know, I know, okay, how about a week, you know? But it's just looking at some of the stuff that we do in our lives and asking, do I really need an upgrade? Do I really need another experience? Do I really need to be shoved in this mold? Or do I maybe need to take some time with God and just listen to what he's saying? Because he sometimes has some pretty important things to say. I was in my office this past Thursday, and, and I had a really busy day. I had lots of stuff I was preparing and everything. One of them was this message. And uh, so I'm, I'm in, in there, and I got a, a phone call that somebody from our church, Len Weidman, was in really bad shape. And I thought, man, I'm not sure if I can, if I have the time to do that. But there was this, and I can't say God that can go. I didn't. I can't say that, but it was the sense I needed to. I needed to go and see him. I went down to Sunnybrook. So I'm down there. You know what it's like on the DVP between three o'clock and five o'clock. Like it was just crazy. And I went in, and, and we we got a chance to talk. He was very weak, and I prayed together. And he and he felt the sense that God was at work in this whole thing journey that he was on. He died twelve year, twelve hours later. That would have been my only chance to go and talk to him. See, sometimes, sometimes what God has to say is more important than a meal. It's more important than a shopping trip. It's more important than the other stuff that tends to jam up our lives. What is your biggest distraction? Let me tell you why uh, I'm getting all obnoxious about this, okay? <laughs> and maybe a little bit weird. 
It's, it's because of the fact that it's not just, you know, it's not just the crazy life. It's just that there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake in your life. And you can miss it. You can miss it. You can just, you know, be out there and never just even take the time to listen to God. There's a... See, this is what God is wanting to do. He, he, and His hands should be the only hands on your heart because He knows what to do with it. The world system doesn't. And so if He wants to grow your... This, by the way, is a heart. You can see it, right? Okay. So if He wants to expand your heart, He knows how to do that. And He, and he will work on it. He will massage your heart and ex, ex, external heart massage and he will work with you and he will shape you and shape you and, and so on. But world system, see one of these, right? It'll just shove you in there and cram you out. And you'll look like everybody else. You look like everybody else. So we close today and we're going to be taking communion. I want to give you two gifts if I can. And the first, I'm going to give you a gift, and I want to give you just a challenge. And here's my challenge. And it's not going to be overwhelming, I don't think. And the question is, would you give God the first two minutes of every day? Start there. Start there. And just come and say, God, I give you my hands. Everything that they will type everything that they will touch, every person that they will you know, shake hands with, I give you these hands. I give you my eyes. Everything that they see, everything that I'm tempted to look at and shouldn't, and, and what, I, what I look at, I give you my eyes today. I give you my ears. What I listen to. Whose voice I listen to. I give you my mouth. What I say today. Help me to say what's right and what, what will help. I give you my feet. I'm not going to show you my feet, but I give you my feet and where they take me today. And I'm thinking that what it will do is it will help us all to just kind of start off on the right track. You don't have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to do that. Two minutes. And my gift today is two minutes of silence just for you to listen to God before we take communion. Remember the lesson. Jay, or Phillips uh, wrote, you know, the passage we've been looking at in, uh, in Romans chapter 12. And he says, don't let the world system squish you into its mold. And it will. But God is greater than that. God has a plan for you. And his mercy his grace, His forgiveness, His kindness will follow you throughout this whole week. May that happen. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.